hands up, you're out of luck And your back's up against the wall From Tunisia to Washington The people are calling no You're casting guns, you're constant thugs Your lies on the TV None of that can save you now As your brain is swept away Get up, get up, your voices are needed Become, become the pulse of the revolution In the ranks of the masses rising Get up, get up, your voices are needed Become, become the pulse of the revolution In the ranks of the masses rising Greetings, everybody. This is a call to actions. Uh, we're coming to you live from the uh, from Nancy's radio station, the uh, CosmicReality.com. Uh, anyone listening, uh, feel free to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, uh, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, any of those other podcatchers out there. There are many growing uh, every day. Um, anyways, uh, today is July 7th, 2020, and uh, kind of on the fly, we were able to get a, uh, a returning guest back here on the show. Uh, his name is Aaron Franz. He is the author of the book, Revolve, Man's Scientific Rise to Godhood, and he hosts his own podcast, The Age of Transitions, and you can subscribe to that on all the other podcatchers out there. Uh, today, we want to talk about technological immortality. Uh, there, there are various forms, and in cutting-edge technology, it seems that they're trying to create a new afterlife for individuals rather than, and of course, Hume I uh, believes that, that they could uh, intercede with, with, uh, with that by creating... A synthetic body after death. So uh, today uh, um, we're going to be talking with Aaron again. So uh, hey, Aaron, thank you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me back. Glad to be here. So technological immortality, many forms. Uh, we know transhumanism, cyborgs attempting to upload one's mind after one after one's biological death, uh, and human cloning is uh is not really talked about too often it doesn't get news coverage i mean really the topics of technological immortality any of it doesn't get the coverage that it needs so it's kind of up to people like like us to uh, to discuss this i think most people um when they hear this stuff it sounds so futuristic they don't even believe that it's even possible oh and and really they get their mind is seeded with you know, this type of potential through movies a lot. Um, and I remember when I saw, um, was a movie? Oh, I'll think of it in a second. But anyway, I, I think the movies um, we see and we go like, okay, we know they have that technology already. But to the layman person who doesn't dig into these types of areas, they just think it's so, so far out there that it, you know, it's not even going to happen in their lifetime, which is why they continue to get away with this stuff kind of underneath the surface or if people like really understood it to the degree that they should then they would be part of stopping it which they don't want sure yeah well i mean that i might have a slightly different opinion in that i feel that the average person 
does kind of know that this technology, these technologies are real, but the way in which they perceive that and like the sort of narrative structure of that uh, is one that's kind of, it kind of comes and it goes and it's, it's not, it's not one that's uh, certainly getting any real meaning out of anything uh, beyond the fact it's just like oh yeah technology is really growing fast there's no way to stop that and um even at this point people the i would say the average person is of the opinion that yeah there there's going to be technological unemployment and that automation is rising and all these ai systems are uh, coming to the fore they're being developed and they're being used more and more throughout industry and therefore human jobs are going to be displaced by machines fairly soon and i've been (laughs) i've been saying this for uh a number of years at least a decade now i've been talking about this kind of thing and certainly if you go back even five years ago this is this was not a popular opinion it was not a popular topic nobody really talked about it let alone if you brought it up no one would really take you seriously like oh that's an interesting idea but i don't know what you're talking about today everybody is just kind of of that opinion like oh yeah the automation's coming we're all going to lose our jobs and then the, the the sad part to me is well you do realize when you say that that that's an earth-shattering paradigm-shifting uh, reality, right? Like we can kind of just like shrug it off and be like, "Oh yeah, it's going to happen." There's no way to stop it. But we do know that everything is going to change completely, and the world is going to be turned upside down when that happens, right? And it's going to happen real soon. So maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe we should start doing something. I don't know what, but maybe we ought to do something more than just be like, "Okay, yeah, this is happening." But I, that might be asking too much too. I, but but I do I do think that. Uh, it's it's been fascinating over the years to see again how just sort of the consensus reality, the consensus reality narrative, whatever we want to say, the um, uh, the collective consciousness, uh, just generally speaking, the changes that has undergone, and uh, that that is one area that fa- I'm, I'm fascinated by all sorts of things, not just the technologies themselves, but the weird psychological mind space the propaganda sphere you know the realm of ideas the the realm of intangibles which is very difficult for people to come to grips with but i it's it's my solid belief that if we don't come to grips with that uh again realm of intangibles realm of ideas and, and just the understanding of how how that affects the cold hard reality we live in day to day uh if if we don't start maturing really and 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 being able to work those things out i think we're in big trouble what what do you suggest the everyday person you know do to be part of you know whatever it is that we think we should be doing right now to be prepared and or to make adjustments to, you know, what's coming at us. I mean, there's so many things going on right now, a lot of manipulation. You know, I, I first thing I go to is, okay, if these machines are taken over and people don't have jobs, then what do people do? Is this like a depopulation tactic? Is this like an excuse for, 
you know, going down that road. I don't know. It, it, there's a lot of different directions you can go with that. But I just just curious what your suggestion is to, you know, people that aren't like us that already dig into this stuff. Like what what would you suggest? My, my suggestion is to relax. Uh, mm-hmm. Odd as that may sound. Uh, step outside, watch the plants grow. Take as many moments as you can to get away from it all. And, you know, uh, meditate, perhaps, you know, watching the plants grow again is a meditation. Mm-hmm. Find find some way to relax and, and just clear your mind. And then once you're able to do that and find some sort of fairly consistent way to do that sort of thing, to relax and calm down and clear your mind and open your mind, then... It can go back in to the insane world that we all live in and take a look at it with a level head and mm-hmm. a clear mind and open mind mm-hmm. and start digging and try to start understanding. And, and I feel like those moments of clarity where you get your best ideas and your best sort of uh, methods of getting things done, I guess, come in those moments where, again, you're watching the plants grow, which is seemingly counterintuitive according to if we were to believe what i would call the propaganda of our age of that like oh you gotta it's a big rush it's a big hurry if we don't do something and i was kind of even playing into this at the start like okay like yeah these things are happening fast we have to come up with something but again seemingly counterintuitively stopping what we're doing uh might be a good idea and and also i guess uh, if we want to get really odd maybe the coronavirus uh, stuff that's happening now that there can be a silver lining to it in that people have been forced to stop doing what they have been doing and maybe the good of what I'm speaking about can happen in that space I, I, I don't know I'm sure it is for some people it'll be very fascinating to see what happens on the other end of it I, I gotta say just with that in mind well, I am seeing you know a lot more p- families spending time together that probably would be, you know, just caught up in the rush of going to work and doing this and that. Also, I mean, I completely agree with you. When I'm out in nature, when I am away from electronics, that is when my most inspirational insights and things come to me. When I'm not distracted by technology and I don't have to have it with me and I have time to think and just, you know, be present in the, in the present time. I agree that rushing around and constantly being addicted to being in and out of, you know, constantly connected to technology, that it's really hard to think for yourself because something else is like distracting you from thinking for yourself. And what's interesting about uh, about that is the the technological uh, health hook. Many, many people wear the Fitbit. I mean, that's mainstream stuff. But let's look at it with, with new eyes. What, what is just the simple Fitbit doing to people? Um, in the name of health, they believe that their, their heart rate needs to be tracked, their perspiration. Where, where's all this information going? Um, uh, what we're doing is essentially feeding the machine and making it smarter. Um, we're some people are willingly help willingly helping program the machines to understand humans more um, they 
the machines necessarily do not have a, a reproductive method yet. So they still need humans in order to build them. Um, but in order to, to build themselves, I believe they need to study how humans work. And, mm-hmm. you know, sadly, a lot of, um, a lot of these uh, technologies uh, disguised as health technologies are kind of um, rolling the blue carpet out for the, uh, the unleashing of the, uh, the reproductive machine, sorry, machines that are capable of reproducing themselves. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting how you talk about machines as being consciously aware and alive. And uh, again, an idea that still at this point in time in the mainstream would sound quite nutty. Um, I'll I'll say that I don't think it's nutty. I actually see things that way, and I'm I'm right in line with what you're talking about, Bobby, in that Mm -hmm. I do think that there's... I don't know if consciousness is the right word, but uh, the the problem when you start talking about consciousness is nobody really knows what it is or how it works. Certainly not how it works. Mm -hmm. We can we can have a debate over what it is, and uh, it it gets into a philosophical debate immediately. Uh, so, <laughs> so immediately once you start talking about consciousness, it has all of these um, hurdles. But but that doesn't mean it's not important to talk about. And and when you talk about transhumanism and and the emerging technologies, these are the sorts of goals that the transhumanists have is like, well, how do we make conscious machines? And and also the idea that, yes, we will make conscious, artificially intelligent machines. The question is just, how are we going to go about that? And now the questions are, well, how do we imbue these AI machines with ethics? How are we ethical about this? Blah, 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 blah. Um, what's, what's actually happening now is that the machine... My view of the machine is that the actual technologies, the machines, the IT, the AI systems, the computers, all that, all that technological stuff, alongside the system, like the social, political, economic system and structure that we live within and that we as human beings are numbered and cataloged and and mm-hmm. uh, integrated into the system we are a part of it via those uh, y- you know we are a social security cumber- number we are a bank account number or an employee id number we we are you know transactions uh, happening on a day-to-day basis um, all that the whole of that as I see it, is one thing, and it's it's not necessarily conscious or certainly not self-aware now. However, I, I don't think it's incorrect to say that there's some sort of weird consciousness to all of that, and that as, as the technological aspect of it uh, rises, as it becomes more advanced, as it evolves, you could say, um, I think the level of consciousness that is imbued into it uh, rises uh, in that the system as a collective, as a whole, becomes more, again, self-aware and able to self-determine its, its, its motivations and what it's doing. 
and 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 it's I, I think you do have to understand it as a weird collective reality that we all share, uh, but also something that exists beyond us and 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 independent from us, and, and, and just the the again to bring back that mysterious concept of consciousness. That's that's a philosophical question that we should all be asking ourselves and exploring now too. Is like, well, okay, the mystery of consciousness. What is it, and and, and how will it be again imbued into? How is the system becoming conscious? Is it? Is it correct to say that? Is it becoming consciously aware? And if it does, what in the world would that mean? Uh, that I don't think it's insane to talk like that. I, I think when you talk about that, I think of like Terminator movies and Skynet as, you know, when we have these technologies that are now in our homes and they call them smart technologies and we let it, you know, basically do things for us in our home automatically. And people are fine with that. They don't really see it as like, oh, it's convenient. I'm can change the temperature in my house from my phone, what have you. They don't really see that you know, what this is leading to and what transhumanism really its goal is to merge man and machine, to like physically take man's consciousness, put it into a machine and give it basically eternal life. It has, you know, it's stuck inside a machine. I look at that like a vampire. It's like it doesn't have a choice on when to physically leave the physical container. It's now stuck and there's many, many movies that cover that. We, one of the things I think we may have brought up last time is Transcendence, um, the movie from 2014 with Johnny mm -hmm. Depp. Um, they're going straight into how he wanted to take his um, consciousness and upload it into an artificial intelligence container. And that movie was very creepy, by the way. I don't know if you saw it or not. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Adam and I reviewed that on our podcast, Themes and Memes. We did do a review of that, yeah. Yeah. It was uh, – so in that, when, when, when he is, you know, that all-awareness um, and his wife, you know, and he's, like, reading her uh, biochemical things going on and, like, that's just – that was when it's like, this is just too much. It's like she's – just an individual having an individual experience. Now all of a sudden this machine is knowing her heart rate and her feelings. And that was just the creepy part of it. It's like at what point when we do constantly feed all this information from the wearable devices to our phones to what have you, and you're feeding that into a system, which is, you know, I don't see it as really so much self-aware i see it more as in we give it the data and the information to know how it could manipulate us potentially um just yeah. like pe just like on facebook how you have algorithms and such like that and so they kind of know like it'll all of a sudden it'll start messing with your notifications it starts censoring you we've both experienced that i'm sure you have as well um there's certain there, actually my website for um, health stuff lovelivingvegan.net, anything I post on there connected to that website automatically goes against community standards. I can't post anything health-related, anything connected to that website. So we have experienced a lot of censoring ourselves. So um, that kind of thing, you know, it, it creates a lot of frustration because you're trying to help and share with people. 
And at one point it seemed like a benign, you know, little place to share. And now all of a sudden it's just, um, you know, it just seems like it frustrates you more than it does like help you. <laughs> I, I've, I've given up on Facebook. Um, <laughs> yeah. Once I, uh, there, there was a project, I wrote an article on it um, where Facebook, the Facebook algorithm, the Intel, uh, there was some, the corporation Intel was, was involved in the project for these, for the Facebook algorithm, a, an Intel algorithm and other, uh, university created algorithms to compete against each other through a modified version of the, the game doom and to, uh, collect points based on killing the other algorithms. Once I, once I seen that Facebook was involved in, uh, in the misuse of its algorithm to that level, I said, screw it. It's not worth it. Uh, Facebook's just not worth it to me. Um, but, you know, going into what we were just talking about a few minutes ago, I, I wonder sometimes if artificial intelligence, the machine, is actually the king of the world. And if it is what human beings are knowingly taking direct orders from it to make its army even larger. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And it it gets odd because um, it's hard to explore that concept because um, it's it, it becomes a matter of, well, certainly AI will get to the level where if it's not... The, the question is whether it's like this self-aware thing that mm-hmm. is the like monarch of the world and then everybody in a powerful position in the human world is sort of just like taking orders from it, whether that's the question or whether the AI is just this tool that's used to uh, to to. to to uh, give instructions based on all the data it collects on everything to, again, the controllers, which are just humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And certainly, if, if we're not already there, we're going to be with these things. Because, again, the AI systems, their, their level of... Um, they're at a significant level now due to deep learning technology alone, which isn't even that advanced, but... Uh, for what it is, it, it can do a whole lot to, again, be that sort of uh, intelligent, smart system for people to just feed data sets into so that they, they know what the best course of action is. And certainly, like, the stock market is automated by AI machines and all this. Like, so, so many things are – so many tasks that would be mundane and, and very labor-intensive for humans are just being outsourced to the machine to be sure. So I don't know. It's it's an interesting idea, you know, and um, to to see the way that some of the people that are um, proponents of this talk about it is certainly interesting. They definitely have the, the Kurzweils and whatnot mm-hmm. have this sort of reverence for this yet to be built machine that's going to be, in their words, a god. So uh, it's it's a interesting idea to think about. The unfortunate thing is we don't know what the case is at the moment, but certainly, bare minimum, AI systems are being used as, again, like just these smart systems to gain better control over everything. So if, if, if you're not of that, I mean, that's, that's just plain and simple understanding. So we have to at least 
be at at that level of understanding when, when we're when we're talking about this. It's like okay, these deep learning systems are quite the tool to do. Uh, just about everything at this point. And for those that may not understand what deep learning is, could you just give us a brief description on exactly what that entails? It it was just a specific um, neural net a, um, a technique developed by I think this British company called DeepMind. So mm-hmm. it's kind of mm-hmm. named after the company DeepMind Deep Learning. Mm-hmm. That's just a way of using uh, AI algorithms to, again, do what they do: find patterns in large yep. data sets, and mm-hmm. so and, and you know be able to cross-reference information and and learn in in the way that an AI system can learn and train itself based on data that it is fed. And at this point, um, with the deep learning systems. What a lot of the the experts in the field are saying is that it's such a fairly fairly simple technology, technically speaking, that it's not about like having like these whiz kid scientists who at the age of eight like built some robot to to tend after our home or something. You don't need those sorts of bots to be developing these things. You just need somebody who, you know, has training in AI and, and you know, knows how to put some stuff together. And it's fairly simple. It's just about organizing different uh, AI tools and algorithms and whatnot. And I don't fully understand the technical side, but I do know it's not that complicated. Uh, it, it's just a matter of kind of like organization I guess on on the back end of things, and y- y- knowing what it is that you want to do, and, and also the, the big factor at the moment is the data sets themselves. So the big data, which we've been hearing about for over a decade now, uh, for so long it was a question of like, oh yeah, big data, big ba- big data. It was huge in industry and government and all that, and like big topic uh, among the technical elite and whatnot but nobody ever really knew what to do like okay we got these big data sets it's cool but how the hell do we sift through it all like what do we do with it and the answer to that question is well just feed it into a deep learning ai system and it'll sift through the whole thing for you and and again years ago that when that conversation was being had is like a lot of people that would dismiss uh, privacy in, invasions, like invasions of privacy in terms of big data collection from companies, government, what have you, they would try to dismissively like uh, saying, okay, these these organizations, these institutions can collect as much data as they want, but it doesn't mean anything because no human could go through it and do anything with it. There's no way you can do anything with it. And to me, that was always like so asinine because even then it was like, no, you're just waiting for the computer system that can go through it. Does nobody, they don't want us to know that? It, it sure seemed that way to me at the time. And, and lo and behold, at this point in time, they can't even deny that that's the case because that's what they're doing. So they're taking these huge data sets, feeding it into these somewhat rudimentary deep learning systems in order to uh, uh, link all the, pat- do pattern recognition and mm-hmm. use the data to to their ends, whatever those ends happen to be. And again, that in comes the AI scientist, which isn't that uh, advanced of a person. It, they're simply a technician that knows technically how to make a system do what it's intended to do. 
disruptive technologies. I'm sh I'm sure you've heard heard of that. Uh, yeah, it seems seems as if, and I think a good marketing scheme would be for would be to market artificial intelligence to organize your company or make your your company or your corporation more efficient. And I wonder in employing something that's um, a course mechanical electronic what what managing role does that intelligent machine actually have in the corporation yeah well it's certainly being used again by huge corporations and being developed by them amazon being Prime among them, Amazon Prime, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. uh, you've yeah. got Amazon Amazon Web Services, mm -hmm. infamously has all these huge government contracts uh, to be the the cloud computing source for the Department of Defense, intelligence agencies, and and other branches of the U.S. government. And also, you've got uh, you've got these governmental think tanks and whatnot, like the National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence. Uh, that's a national security governmental body that is chaired by Eric Schmidt, former head of Google Alphabet. Mm -hmm. And uh, you look at the other members of that commission, it's just, lo it's just loaded with people, again, from, um, from Silicon Valley companies, from the intelligence agency you've got a couple guys from uh, inqtel which is the cia's venture capital firm mm -hmm. which is basically you know just the cia in silicon valley funding projects for use for the cia you got a couple of those guys on the nsc ai so you you've got <laughs> you've got those that's that's the government right the government which is just the government and big industry has never really been separate from one another. They're just, you know, integrated things anyway. Absolutely. That's a difficult thing for most people to come to terms with alone. But you, you look at these things and you understand how it works. So the NSC AI, not surprisingly, is making the suggestion in its reports that uh, big corporations lead the way in terms of developing AI systems further and going into the future. Mm -hmm. uh, and they name specifically, of course, Amazon, Hewlett Packard, Apple, the rest of them, all the, all the uh, usual suspects. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, we need these guys to work alongside the government. We have to. Um, they say it in such a way as, as to make you not understand that that's how it's been the whole time. Yeah. They have to act like it's like yes. some sort of like, like, like yeah. they're coming up with a revolutionary idea or something. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah. that's, that's clever, but all right. I mean, that's just how they have to word things. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's, that's what's happening. And, 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 and they're doing it all. It's again, it's the national security commission. Yeah on AI. So so the big the big issue there is national security is like this is part of the defense of our nation and we, we got to defend against all of our enemies foreign and domestic uh and unsurprisingly one of the largest enemies they outline is China because it's uh, the main competition in terms of developing AI systems uh now and in the near future. 
So that gets pretty disturbing pretty quick as well. The tensions between China and the U.S. are very real. It's uh, it's the same pattern, you know. You have to create an enemy. Now you have a reason to um, create all these in the name of national security, and then it's, everybody just kind of falls it's in line. Always, it, it's usually well. Let me let me digress. Patriotism. Uh, it's either in the name of national security or in the name of health, right? <laughs> and it looks benign on the surface, but they know exactly what they're doing underneath the surface. There's an article that we have had up on our website for a long time. Um, it's uh, it's, a, it's from Berkeley, and we add a bunch of stuff in there just kind of connect the dots. But it's called The Swarm at the Edge of the Cloud. And it the name of the article um, was called Terra Swarm. And this is, again, from Berkeley. And they, they show you exactly what they're doing. It's like they have... Yeah. All this technology surrounding you, like this big eye. Yeah, it was a you document. Know, you're in the center of. I, yeah, I believe that one was a uh, a document made from a Berkeley PowerPoint presentation, uh, where you know they lay out the the rollout of technologies to create a mechanical swarm. That that's what that one. So is. we're being swarmed by technology all around us. We don't even realize it. And again, with this working with the government, so we brought this up, I think the last time we spoke, is um, how DARPA obligates the universities mm -hmm. to do their dirty work. They take our brightest minds, they compartmentalize it, they don't know what they're working on, and they have all these universities working on this technology, and they have no idea what they're contributing to. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to see the use of terminology too with like the swarm. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's another, you know, like uh similar term from the beehive, like the hive mind concept yeah. yep. that was that was popular in transhumanist circles for a long time. It's it's it kind of yeah, I haven't heard much of that term lately, but it, the ebb and flow of the transhumanist sort of talking points and conversation and popularity is interesting to track as well. But certainly hive mind was a term being bandied about in government documents too. Like mm -hmm. they would, they would bring that up like, Oh yeah, this concept of the hive mind now it's swarm. Yeah. So it's, that's mm -hmm. just, that's just kind of like an interesting sort of real occult really yeah. use of yeah. language. With the uh, yeah, with the the Department of Defense uh, NESD program, uh, neural engineering through systems design, of course, uh, to help the warfighter uh, interact with the machine by actually implanting uh, implants into their brain. Uh, mm. Possibly, that technology could be could be furthered and create a a hive mind. Uh, of soldiers on a battlefield to communicate with one another just by thought um, as a uh, as a invasive or, or chronic implant um, would would probably last better than a non-invasive wearable remember this one here Microsystems. And What's that, Kimberly? No, I was just looking at one of this article that we had up and about Dar DARPA's strategic vision about um, the microsystems and how warfare man is integrated with technology to do to be better at warfare, whether they yeah. are physically there or they're driving a drone or what have you. And the whole idea 
is that there's like an unblinking eye. They see everything all the time. The all-seeing eye, if you will, on yeah. the pyramid, it kind of relates to that on the back of our money. It's like, so who is, who is that all-seeing eye? What, what is, is that all-seeing eye? Yeah, yeah. Gets back to that question we were asking before: is can you correctly say that the system? is alive or consciousness or whatever is it conscious or alive or whatever or is it just a sort of like um i don't know just a vessel that's used by those uh sentient beings which are just humans in control mm -hmm. and i i tend to believe that what the humans in control the powers of be so to speak want is just a system to help them to run things like ai systems in order to just help them run the show not one that's actually sentient and aware and artificially super intelligent like ray kurtzwell always talks about i actually think it's my thinking that they don't want that because it would be too much of a uh, of a, um too much competition they don't want it to depose them if you actually were to create a super intelligent ai it would take control of the whole show yeah so I, I i can't imagine that that the people who already have so much control want to give that up so a, a big part of me thinks that they they want to kind of like curb the development of a lot of it and just keep it corralled so that it stays within certain parameters that it's a very useful tool but nothing else I, I agree. I think it gets into, you know, the spiritual realm at that point because they do want to and they talk about how they want to become gods, as in they don't want the creator to actually have a say-so in where they go when they leave their vessel. So they just don't leave the vessel and then they manipulate the environment and they have their forever, you know, world there. To me, it has a spiritual implications because um, to me that's where consciousness connects it's like it's a spiritual thing it's not you know it's not a physical thing anymore because you're conscious in the body and when you when you leave the body that consciousness goes somewhere and mm -hmm. so i think that that's the realm where it falls into so i don't think this machine has the ability to think for itself i think it's more of a spiritual war and this is mm -hmm. synthetic, artificial, you take all those words, it's not natural, it's not created, it's manipulated. So yeah. to me, that's just kind of my, my insight on that. Yeah. yeah, you may not even be able to actually imbue consciousness into a machine. That might just be a pipe dream or yeah. a distraction. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel so often that it is kind of a distraction when these transhumanist guys get up and say, oh, we're going to create a super intelligent, artificial intelligence that's going to rule the world benevolently, blah, blah, blah. I feel that's kind of just like a distraction away from, again, just the very mundane uh, things that are happening now. Like deep learning is advancing at an incredible rate of speed. And it's not about to start really uh, being alive or conscious in any sort of way. They may be able to develop systems that can speak and like you can speak to it and it uh, via its 
algorithms can speak back to you Mm -hmm. but it's not that there's like a consciousness on the other end it Mm -hmm. just knows how speech operates and how to carry conversation just because that's what it's programmed to do that that's its program well just like the bots Uh, that they had you know at some point where you could interact with like that bot type thing online it was a mm -hmm. interesting early stage of this kind of stuff yeah, we're we're at a point now where like the again the realm of ideas is so important because you see all these groups like the NSC AI and the Rand Corporation and then every other think tank out there that's talking about these ideas. They're bringing up the reality that um, information warfare, propaganda, and 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 dueling narratives in the public sphere. We're talking about like news media. Um, just communications online uh people they bring up the point point that so many people are atomized now and everybody is in their own little online world where they're consuming information that's tailor structured to them do in in every part i was gonna say in no small part but i'm gonna say in every part do to these surveillance technologies because they, they they track it is what our interests are and they feed that back to us so everybody's in this like feedback loop where they're in their own little uh, echo chamber of information uh, this is well understood by anybody who's doing anything of importance and therefore in propaganda warfare and narrative construction you can easily manipulate the consciousness the minds of these groups of people and you can micro-target them. Like, I want to micro-target um, 40 to 47-year-old uh, men who are into QAnon, and beyond that, they go to this specific forum. I'm going to create this system that posts on that forum that they think is a real person, and I'm going to get them to somehow believe that if they drink the drink YooHoo, that they will live to be 100 and they will also be picked by donald trump himself to be part of his cabinet and and <laughs> they'll create a system where these guys start drinking yoohoo and believing that donald trump's about to call him on the phone <laughs> uh so so this this is where we're at and all these guys are talking about this like look this is uh information warfare is dramatically more uh, nuance now and and it can fly under anybody's radar and and these these things can be automated like ai systems will be used to carry out propaganda campaigns uh, micro targeted uh assaults of information on anybody that that needs to be targeted so so it's kind of you got to keep that in the back of your mind whenever you're doing anything that uh, this is the world we live in. And, and and I don't think outside of these guys like in the Rand Corporation and stuff, not many people are aware of this now. And I think that's important that, again, we go back to, you know, if you, if you feel that you don't understand exactly what's going on and you just get into nature for a minute and relax and, and like, just meditate on and then just figure out how you respond to it because I think where we get manipulated the most is to be in an action reaction instead of stepping back thinking through um, letting our individual you know mind kind of work it out for itself instead of just 
yeah, getting micro-targeted, responding to the micro-target, and then that you have your action-reaction, which is what they want us to do, is to respond to the manipulation. They just want us to believe what it is that we're being fed as the truth, and then we respond accordingly. And that's kind of a scary place. We really need to be think for ourselves. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, uh, I'm getting actually kind of worked up now saying all this stuff, which I don't often do, but I, uh, you, you should be proud of yourselves, Kimberly and Bobby, for being able to do that because I'm usually quite calm. But these things, I don't actually talk about a lot of this on my own radio show that much. Mm-hmm. But uh, in, in these situations, I like to talk about like the real serious um, – the things again like the uh the digital surveillance that is just uh it's just ubiquitous at this point and what it is already enabling uh on a day-to-day basis and 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 just sort of cautions to people uh moving forward but just moving moving where in place where we're already at because um I just think that there's a lot of this stuff going on already that is is flying under the radar and, and we're not able to see it because it's not meant to be seen uh if you know what I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so this I mean this is the world we live in and 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 I that's what we have to come to terms with. We have to come to terms with the world we live in now. We have to understand that we are in the age of transitions now. Things are moving at really a breakneck speed that nobody can humanly keep up with. We can't do it, so we shouldn't expect uh, ourselves to be able to. However, we need to just you know have our guard up and be wise, and just uh, while maintaining an open mind, also have a defense up as well. Have your defenses up. Be like, okay, I'm having an open mind. But I also have to be open to the fact that manipulation is not only ever-present, but it's far more nuanced and sophisticated than it ever was. Um, and, and so you just have to ask the question of, uh, I don't know, you just have to stay not paranoid, but at the same time somehow like uh, be have that defense up. And it's a very, I don't know, it's just a very it's it's not an easy thing to ask of people but I'm, I'm just kind of like putting it out there as um sort of a matter of the fact sort of uh thing for for us dealing with life in the age of transitions we just have to sort of realize where we're at again i think as you know any any decision making should be done in a calm sense so it's like okay it's not so much what's going on around us as much as how do we respond to our environment. So if we can, you know, focus on being healthy, if we can focus on getting a good night's sleep, if we can focus on detaching ourselves from technology so that we have time to not be distracted or manipulated by that technology, you know, I, I, I'm just thinking of a couple of years ago when I didn't have my cell phone, wasn't working for like a week, and I went on a trip and I was like so aware of everyone around me. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're just embedded. They're just like constantly in their phone. And I was 
I'm like, okay, I would probably be not so much as what they were doing, but I realized like people really need to step back for a second and detach so that you can really be more present, you know, in the moment and not constantly being distracted because you, it's the little things that you, I go to the beach, you know, every day while we're kind of in, in, you know, moving from California to here and we're, you know, looking for jobs and looking for a new place to live. I, that's like, that's my normal, that's how I can really ground. I can really be in touch is being, listening to the sound of the waves and being in nature and looking at and having appreciation, you know, for the little things, just like the rocks and the sand and the beach glass that I'm looking for. It's like, that's the only way I could create a new normal for myself. It's like, it doesn't matter what's going on swirling around us. And, and you know, we can't, we get, we, it's a choice. We can be manipulated unknowingly or knowingly or we can choose to step back and take, you know, more control over our surroundings by simply saying, no, um, that's not my world. Um, I'll acknowledge that those things are going on, but I'm going to make it healthy in my space and mm. not, you know, not be, be affected by it so much. So it, it's just healthy to talk about ways of, you know, how do you just get out of this madness and, and find a place to be more calm? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd say a lot of these these individuals uh, haven't stepped outside for a long enough time. Um, like Dr. Richard Seed or Nick Bostrom. Um, yeah. Nick Bostrom, you know, the transhumanist. He's also an advocate of human cloning, and I'm I'm starting to see a a pattern amongst transhumanists actually being for cloning, and it doesn't. Um, it doesn't surprise me that if they if they would be proponents and advocates and even furthering the research and development in uh, mind uploading and cyborg research and development, then they would definitely be proponents of human cloning. And uh, before we, I know we didn't talk about human cloning too much, but before we uh, before we end the show here in a couple of minutes, I, I want to play a thirty two second clip of Dr. Richard Seed um, and what's interesting about him as he is a proponent uh, of and supporter of human cloning his name is Dr. Seed so this sounds like a, a villain doesn't it? <laughs> doesn't, a comic book villain yeah. Dr. Seed and his infer I'm... infertility studies Yeah, I want to play this, this just... clip real quick go on no, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's, I was just going to say it's, it must be a stage name, but uh, yeah, certainly. Please play the clip. Supposedly Richard Seed. I don't know. Yeah, Richard Seed. Yeah, yeah, Richard of all names. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Wonder. That's a good I didn't even think about that. What's, uh, what's that? What's that? What, Bobby? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, I, I can't think that that wasn't on purpose, but, yeah, uh, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. You pick a stage name, get a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Only my friends call me by the other name. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Here's here's that clip. Uh, Thirty-two seconds. Um, all right, here we go. We are going to become gods. Period. If you don't like it, get off. 
You don't have to contribute. You don't have to participate. But if you're going to interfere with me becoming God, you're going to have big trouble. And we'll have warfare. The only way you can prevent me in this, in this 50 or is to kill me. If you kill me, I'll kill you. And so how does he kill you if you killed him? That's the question. The only way he <laughs> could come back and kill us if we kill him is he, he, he may already have clones of himself to come back and uh, take revenge on who killed Dr. Seed number seven. That was from that was from the Technocalypse documentary, wasn't it? I haven't seen that. that clip. I believe that's what that clip is from. Yeah, it was an excellent three-part documentary series by I think Frank Thies. I, I interviewed him years ago. I talked to him, the creator. Of that it was just such a good uh, documentary series. But um, Technopolis. Yeah, t- Technocalypse. So it's like a play on Apocalypse, but it's Technocalypse. It was. A, it's a three-part series, and each series sort of focuses on a different aspect of like the transhuman idea. And the third one is really great because it gets into like the spiritual, esoteric side of it, which you rarely see anybody touch. But Frank Thies did in that series, and it's, it's just a really. I don't know where you can find it online today. It must be posted somewhere. But it was, it was very popular at the same time. Uh, my documentary came out, and and. Um, so it's got to be out there somewhere. I don't know where now. Oh, we'll definitely watch it. That's so, uh, very interesting. Yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for that lead there. I appreciate that. So, yeah, um, we are going to start wrapping this up for today. Um, I want to thank Nancy for uh, for bringing in a call to actions to the uh, Cosmic Reality Radio Network. Uh, I love that uh, internet radio is broadcasted worldwide rather than AM and FM, just locally distributed usually. Uh, yeah, so anyways, uh, again, our, our guest is Aaron Franz, and would you like to uh, tell our, our listeners a little bit about your podcast and where they can find you and if your, they're interested? And your book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the website is theageoftransitions.com. It had been down, but I've rebuilt it. Theageoftransitions.com is back. And there you can subscribe to the podcast, which is the Age of Transitions podcast. Do a couple other podcasts too Uncle the Podcast, Themes and Memes. We're live on Ocelli.com every Friday night if you want to listen to the live show. That's 10 p.m. to midnight Eastern. I have my book, Revolve Man's Scientific Rise to Godhood. That's not linked on my site yet. It will be soon. But you can find that on Amazon, the ebook on Amazon. And uh, if you want the paperback copy, that's on lulu.com. So, yeah, thanks for having me, uh, Bobby and Kimberly. Thank you for having me back here. Yeah, it's awesome to speak with you as uh, there are not very many people out there uh, that that are in the same gang as we are you know what i mean um as you and me and kimberly and and others so it's it's really really great to to talk to you again today and uh i'd love to have you back on the show every once in a while i, I think that would be, yeah, be awesome touch base on new technologies and see what's oh, out yeah. there and relevant to what's going on in the world today and one of the things i you know we like to focus on is we're not trying to get anybody upset. We're not trying to scare anybody. 
it's really just being aware of what's going on around you so you can respond in a more calm manner and then focus on solutions that work for you or for your family mm-hmm. that um, make sense. Yeah. So it's that's just something we always try to bring up on every show that we are, you know, not fear-mongering. We're just, you know, putting it out on the table. We're not telling people what to think. We're just here to be more solution-focused. And in order to bring about solutions, we have to have these discussions. So, again, thank you, Aaron. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, I'd be willing to come back for sure. Awesome, awesome. All right. Well, this is a call to actions. Bobby Vaughn Jr. and Kimberly Schultz, we are exiting the podcast right now. And uh, we will see you again next Tuesday, 5 to 6, happy hour. So... Thank you all. Be safe and God bless.